This week, Ryan Casey is back. We're continuing the director series with the movies of John Carpenter. Jesse Mercury, thank you for joining us. We've got a great show for you this week. Ryan Casey and I had an awesome time talking about John Carpenter very late at night, and we got weird, and it's great. And you're going to hear it in just a couple minutes. I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 last week, and to be totally honest, I really didn't like it. I just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, so much so that I recorded all of my thoughts about it, uh, and I released that as a premium podcast this week. Speaking of which, I actually made all episodes of the Premium Podcast available for a dollar each on my Bandcamp page. Up until now, the Premium Podcast has only been available on Patreon for people who pledge $2 or more per month to the Sci-Fi Project, which is my collection of science fiction work, including this podcast. I adore making this shit, and it's my goal someday to maybe be able to support myself off of doing all of this. I think that'd be incredible. Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I actually had to, well, I didn't have to, but I chose to resign my position at work because uh, what kind of shitty stuff happened, I was rejected for uh, disability benefits because I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, and the insurance company contests the diagnosis they basically don't believe my doctor who says that i have it even though at this point i mean i'm re i'm reacting to the treatment which you know basically confirms lyme disease uh so these doctors at this insurance company who've never met me never examined me who've only looked at doctor's notes have decided that i don't have lyme disease and they're not going to continue to pay any disability benefits to me so i i did lose my disability benefits months ago but i've been contesting that ever since and the appeal was denied and because of that i decided to resign my position at work they're basically just holding a job for me i'm not getting any insurance from work or uh, you know any disability at all i mean the only reason to hold on to the job was so that i could have a job to go back to whenever i'm well enough to go back to work uh and i decided to just let that job go because you know, I feel bad that they've been holding a position for me for this long when I have no idea when I'm coming back to work. They legally can't fill my spot while I am holding that position. And I, I appreciate the job protection, but I uh, would rather allow my company to just fill my position and let them get on with their lives because uh, I have no idea when I'm going back to work. You know, I really have no idea. I've actually started working from home a little bit doing audio production uh, and stuff like that, which has been really cool because like, you know, it's like some days I can't do anything because I'm feeling so shitty, but on days where I can, I can do something that makes a little bit of money, which is really nice. So if you have any audio production you need done, uh, I have a whole production company for it called Monolith Sounds. Uh, monolith like in uh, 2001, the monolith. So you can check out monolithsounds.com if you need any audio production work done. Let me know. Hit me up. I also tried to get cash assistance from the city of Seattle, and that was denied all for the same exact reasons. Their doctors looked at the, the stuff and said that I don't have Lyme disease because my Lyme disease doesn't meet the CDC criteria of Lyme disease, which you know, is way too strict of a criteria because I fucking have it and it makes me very ill and I can't work and now I can't get disability either. So long story short, 
uh, I was brainstorming ways to try to get a little bit more money trickling in from this podcast. And I thought that maybe making the premium podcast available on an individual download per episode basis might help because I'm sure there's plenty of you out there that, you know, have no interest in subscribing to something for $2 a month, but maybe maybe would want to hear why I dislike Guardians of the Galaxy 2 so much, enough that you'd be willing to throw a dollar at a 10-minute episode. I would really appreciate that. And yeah, as I said, you can find that at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. And if you're someone who loves this show and wants a little bit more and you want to subscribe to the Premium Sci-Fi Project podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash sci-fi project. Uh, it's two bucks a month for the premium podcast, no matter how many episodes I release that month. It's still two bucks. I've never done fewer than two in a month, and sometimes I do more. And I think they're great. I'm actually, I really like that show. I can do whatever I want on that show. It can be as long or as short as I want it to be. It can be about sci-fi. It could be about random shit in my life. I did a whole episode about what podcasts I'm listening to. It's kind of becoming this cool uh, outlet for me. And I, I'm really happy with the results. I'd love for you to check it out. Okay, let's get into our discussion of John Carpenter movies. This is a conversation that Ryan and I had a couple of weeks ago. We talked a lot about a lot of things in this episode. We didn't do any single topic justice, but it was a really fun conversation that hit a lot of ground. So one thing we didn't talk enough about was the fact that John Carpenter writes a lot of the music in his films. We touched on it just a little bit towards the end of this conversation, but uh, definitely didn't talk about it enough, especially because it's, you know, I'm a sci-fi synth pop artist and there's this guy making sci-fi movies, writing his own synthy scores. It's fucking awesome. It's like right up my alley. I can't believe it didn't come up more in this discussion, but you know what? The music really speaks for itself. So I'll just play some of it for you. And while we're listening to that, I have another special treat for you. I've mentioned my friend Evan from Twitter a lot on this show. He's a post-apocalyptic guru. He loves that shit. He loves all sci-fi, but particularly post-apocalyptic sci-fi. He's got a great blog, and he's a very active and engaged member of the sci-fi community on Twitter. So I felt like I couldn't do a John Carpenter episode without asking his opinion on a movie that I've seen him talk a lot about on Twitter, Escape from New York. So let's hear from my friend Evan, and then we'll get to the discussion with Ryan and I. I highly recommend following Evan on Twitter at From the Wastes and check out his blog while you're there. All right, let's get into it. Hey, Jesse. Evan here. Escape from New York. Kurt Russell, the Snake Plissken. Holy shit, what a badass. I mean, you got Kurt, you know, he's playing in the computer, wore tennis shoes, you know, these Disney movies. And all of a sudden, he's got the biker boots and the, and the, the tattoo and the eye patch and the long hair. And he called me Snake. You know, I mean, oh my God, how badass was he? And uh, Duke of New York, and I, as far as I'm concerned, I, it's my favorite John Carpenter movie. I know everyone likes The Thing, and uh, kind of considers that his his best thing. And and uh, I also liked uh, They Live. Escape from New York's always been my favorite. And uh, I just, I, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing wrong with it. It's an, it's fun. It's cool. He's a badass. And uh, I'd put Snake up against anybody. And if you, hey, if you've never seen it, uh, watch Escape from L.A. It's really, really good. I, it also kind of sucks. But if you watch it in the right frame of mind, it's fantastic. And, uh, and, if, you, and if you watch it for the reasons why, or, or the reason why it was made, uh, I think you'll appreciate it. And but it, it, it is a good recommendation probably for for being on sci-fi on trial but um 
anyway, that's really all I got to say. I love Escape from New York. Yeah, so there it is. Ciao. We have gathered here today to talk about John Carpenter movies. Full of suspense. Yeah. I So, okay, this was your idea, and this was a great idea. Uh, we were debating who we wanted to do next for our director series. The director series, which this is this. We with have Ryan a, Casey. With, yeah, <laughs> with Ryan, Ryan and Jesse. Yeah. The director series with Ryan and Jesse. Do you have a song? It's gonna uh, play, wait, director wait. series with Ryan and Jesse. I, think, I do now. I yeah. now have a song. Ryan and Jesse, director <laughs> series. Yeah, exactly. It's part of the podcast <laughs> network. <gasps> Jesse's network. Well, it's real now. It's actually director series because we're doing it again, this and we're doing uh, we're doing John Carpenter. So I had seen Big Trouble in Little China. And that's all I'd seen. I had never seen any other John Carpenter movie. That was why I was like, oh, we, we have to do this. If yeah. You, yeah. That was one that I hadn't seen when I was a kid, but it was very popular. I think Starman was probably the one that I, you because you watched that just now. I, I just haven't did, seen yeah. that since I was a kid. Yeah, I just went on a binge. I watched. That's fun. Uh, in order, starting from last Sunday until yeah. today, which is Wednesday. I watched Escape from New York. Good. Uh, what was number two? I don't know. It's not. I'm, I think number two was They Live. Great in suspense. Um, no, it yeah. was it was They Live for sure. Yeah. Uh, and Full then story. I watched Starman. Starman. And then I watched Ghosts of Mars. And yeah. then we just watched the thing. <laughs> so I think it's five. I think I watched five, and I've seen Big Trouble in Little China. So I've seen six of his movies total. Yeah. Uh, but that was I saw five of them the last couple of days, and it was so much fun. I had like so much fun they were all awesome they're like, all really good yeah they were all awesome every single one of them was great even ghost well, of mars ghost which of gets mars. a lot of shit i i don't think i've ever seen ghost of mars actually that was one of the weirdest movies uh <laughs> it, it was interesting to watch stuff like a sampling of of his career i i focused on his sci-fi because he's really known for horror like he directed halloween and he's known the for Fog. both it's almost like half yeah half it's totally like half, half yeah. horror and then a lot of the sci-fi is Horrific, very, very horrific. Yeah. Particularly the thing and and Ghosts of Mars for sure. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but I had uh, so yeah, I, I wanted to just watch his sci-fi movies before we recorded, and I got through most of them, and I was very proud of myself. Uh, no, that's good. That's but a lot. It, it was so interesting. Well, to they're watch, not that like, many, really. Yeah, to, yeah. Like I, five movies in however many days is pretty reasonable. No, I mean you did a good job, but like he doesn't oh. have. Like I just a million just movies, you know, searching it's, for praise for how many movies I you watched. Did no, you <laughs> well, you did a good job. Thank you for not having seen any of them. Thank you. Escape from no New one York. ever tells me I'm doing a good job watching movies, and it really feels good. No, you are doing a good job because it takes a lot of time. It does, and you have to have that time and dedicate that time, and tell the people that you're not coming out. It's a lot of attention to pay to something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, like I can't be at that thing. I'm watching. I'm watching a movie. I'm watching movies. Yeah, but for a purpose. Yeah, to talk about them later. Totally. It was really interesting to watch movies from all throughout his career because, like, the quality is really inconsistent. Like, Ghosts of Mars was one of his newest movies. Yeah, and the quality of that was lower on almost all fronts. You know, like the the, yeah. the acting, the the directing, the writing, the cinematography, the set design was all like so much more B movie uh, in a way that Escape from New York was like such a B movie. Uh, but then like Starman and The Thing are A movies, you know, like they, they have B movie elements, but they're like 
really, really, really well made. You they're know, really well made. Like yeah. they're well made on, in every way. And the, I, th- I felt like They Live was kind of B movie ish, but was one of the best made movies I've ever seen. Period. I thought They Live was like insanely good. I was like hooting and hollering at the television because I was like, "Yes, do it, do it, movie." It was I. People I love, love that, that one. Movie. He's to me, he kind of scares that guy. He shoots up a whole bank. It gets very violent very quickly, and and I like Roddy Piper, but I'm sort of like, why is he here? Is Kurt Russell busy? <laughs> no, he's totally playing Kurt Russell. I was like, I was thinking yeah. that, but yeah. I but I think it's it is really cool. I think that one was one that was spoiled for me slightly because people talk about it so much, and that I had I didn't see it until like a month ago or something. Really? Yeah, I had not I had not that was the one that I had not seen. Um. Yeah, and so I, I, I think it's very good. Big Trouble, Little China is like my favorite. I think. Oh, really? Well, I think, and maybe the thing's probably the best. The thing I had seen when I was must have been pretty young, because I remember it. Yeah, and it is terrifying. It's, it's, it's very glorious. Scary. It yeah. is a glorious movie. Like I think of all of them, the thing was the most well-made film. You know, like on on every level. I was just impressed with the movie. His other movies are are good. Assault on Precinct Thirteen is is a very is a good movie. It's like a almost like a zombie movie, but they're not zombies. They're gang members huh. who are have uh, are trying are attacking this one like precinct that's being abandoned in like a basically an abandoned neighborhood, and they're being a, like a people are like coming through the windows and they're wow. they're fighting them off and it's like yeah. It is. It's like a it's like a zombie western, but it takes place in like a police precinct. It's very good. I want to see that. that and then good. his first movie you said was Dark Star, which I haven't seen. Dark Stars, yeah, that's weird. It's like yeah, it's very seventies. They're hippies in space, kind of. Essentially, they're just they all have beards, which I think there a lot of people do in this movie too. You know, scientists are there if you're in a spaceship or if you're in Antarctica, you grow your beard out, you grow your hair out, you do a lot of drinking. Um, they're flying around in a ship. It looks really cool, and they're blowing up stars for some for science. I think I think they're in doing it for scientists in Dark Star. Um, and it's okay. It's very boring though. It's yeah, but it looks cool. Yeah, and but I don't think he knew quite. And I don't know what his second movie was. I, I just pulled it up. It uh, was, Assault on uh, Precinct 13. Yeah, Assault on Precinct. So Dark Star was in really 74. Mm-hmm. And that was like a student film uh, that then got released when he became... Well, I don't know when it was released. Maybe when he got more popular. Yeah, that's or, a student film. It's really yeah. yeah, it's really well made. I really want to see that. Uh, and then Assault on Precinct 13. And then Someone's Watching Me, which is a TV movie. Yeah, I didn't see that. Uh, in 78. And then also in 78 was... Halloween, which is his like breakout as a director, yeah, which I have never seen, and I I, I did not have time to watch it before this. Have you seen any Halloween movies? No, or? I've never seen any of them. It's got. I mean, it it based I I think originated the sort of um like slasher, slasher movie. Yeah, I'm of. I'm definitely want to watch it. I really like horror movies. Yeah, and I I was introduced to them way later in life. Like within the last three or four years, I started watching horror. Uh, like really got sold on it by Evil Dead and yeah. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I think the first Nightmare on Elm Street is one of the most incredible movies. It's just so 
fucking creative. Like when when Freddy Krueger is like haunting your dreams, like the way he haunted you. Yeah, it's all practical effects, and it's incredible. You know, like he brought visions to life that are so creepy and weird and unlike anything I've seen on in any other movie. Yeah. So like that's what I love about horror and I feel like John Carpenter does that in all of his movies well, this movie, which is super cool and, and it really yeah. makes me want to watch more of his horror and we did we just watched we literally just got done watching the thing like 15 minutes ago yeah and you had never seen it yeah I've watched it I watch it kind of regularly I've seen it at least a few times in the past couple years and I get I still get like nervous about some of the parts. Really? Like <laughs> Some of the still, physical yeah, effect parts. Because totally. I'm like, oh, I don't want to see the part where he's, <laughs> he just, his hands bust through the guy's chest when he's trying to resuscitate him. Oh, that was so gross. his hands off, eats his whole that, hand off. That was the most upsetting part to me, for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, some of it's it's so good, though. And, yeah, and the, the, the effects are, I think that's the scariest that effects have ever been. Like, like practical effects? Yeah. Or just any effects. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made to say that well-done practical effects are more frightening than CG. I think, yeah, CG, you can do them, I don't know, it seems like you have to pay a lot of people to do them. I don't know if they are if they are cheaper than having a team of people make a, uh, practical effects. Yeah, or, I'm not sure. Or if it says that you can do whatever you want to do, essentially, with them. Uh, but, I mean, those teams that made... Some of those breakthrough practical effects like this and like American Werewolf in London and, yeah. and stuff like that. And Star like, Wars. Yeah. Like freaks you out. Yeah. Freaks me out. I like I'm so when I was a kid I was so obsessed with special effects. Like the idea of making something that you've never seen is like so fascinating to me and yeah one of my favorite things and one of the reasons i love science fiction so much is like just seeing something you've never seen is so it's like cool. i've never seen that but it's recognizable yeah in a horrible way to me yes it's like that it's like mess. out of a nightmare it's like it's like out of a night it's like yeah it's like uh, it's covered in blood and a face comes out of it and the face splits in two and 10 tentacles come out of that. And, <laughs> and they're like, all shaking and, and yeah. going. <laughs> but I do feel like it's almost like this movie is some kind of pinnacle where after that, everyone's like, well, we basically we did it kind of can't come up with creepier looking things. Mm. We can build different stories around stuff that looks like equally creepy. But like, even if you go and watch like, like, uh, like, Prometheus or something like the 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 CGI monsters they had in Prometheus, which I have I I I I like and I dislike. We have a whole see uh, listen to comedy on trial, sci-fi comedy on trial. Don't here in Seattle. <laughs> don't listen to yeah. Don't go to that. Jai Don't go to that Jai <laughs> Uh, do listen to sci-fi on trial where we did talk about Prometheus, and it's like even the monsters that they come up with. In that, even though they look really wonderful and they're wonderfully rendered and CGI, nothing, they're not any creepier than the stuff that's in the thing. Yeah. I told they you. They are only parallel. Yeah. So uh, we we forgot to watch that um, documentary that I was telling you about. I, I saw this documentary about the remake of the thing, which I haven't seen, but apparently they shot the entire movie with practical yeah. effects. And they they wanted to try to make something even more right. creepy with practical effects. Like yeah. th that was their whole goal. So they put a huge amount of like manpower 
into creating the next level of animatronics mm -hmm. for the thing. And they shot all of it and then they showed it to test audiences and the test audiences thought it looked fake. So they replaced it all with CG and then released it. And then the movie didn't do very well. But the, I saw this documentary that showed some of the things that they'd created and they looked incredible. And there was this theory that maybe people weren't accepting animatronics anymore because we're so used to CG. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's been like talk about trying to get that other version to come out. I could see we, that. We should watch that documentary real quick. Yeah, I, I would I, do that. I'm um my and my um I suspect either that that's true and the audiences can't accept a new released film that has old style yeah. special effects. I kind of have a hard time believing that. I think you do like a, like the Lord of the Rings I think was a fantastic thing where they you know you know really did blend a lot of practical effects yeah. with CGI effects and things. Um so I know you and you can do it. And the new Star Wars films do it as well too, but specifically for horror kind of things like this. The thing is like, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if they couldn't do it as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also wonder if it was cause the remake was like what early two thousands or early nineties or I mean, no, late 90s? the, no, the when remake was from 2010 ish. Oh really? It was from like, it's only like, wow. It's well, less than 10 years old. It's like five years old do you I remember think. when cg first kind of took over in movies and there was this thing where like it was kind of pres prestigious to have cg in your movie versus uh practical effects yeah it's I like think it was like you had like a bigger budget so you could be george lucas and have all the cg you wanted like that was a big deal for a little while until it became completely ubiquitous uh so i feel like there's this feeling among hollywood executives that because like cg meant the next level yeah. And special effects when it first came out that you have to have that, that like you have to sell your movie with CG. Like you're not just selling it with like the actors or whatever. The fact that you have CG in was like a selling point for a lot of films. I feel like we're kind of shifting away from that. I feel like people are getting sick of it now uh, because that because of like that trend for a long time, it just really took over movies. And now you just well, get 100% CG in movies. Yeah. Now it's so good. It's ubiquitous. And I yeah. think that. For I think a people time, are craving realer things. Uh, yeah, you can just do things that you can't do with practical effects, right? And you can and, do too much, and that becomes like a big part of the problem. Like when you have no strings attached to you, right? You can make anything. Like that's a great creative exercise, but it makes editing can, incredibly difficult, right? But it also means you know, yeah, it's why they have comic book movies now that look like. Uh, a, a panel out of a comic book come to life because they can literally they're literally painting a f the film and it looks as real as 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 real. Um, and there are things creatively you can do with CGI that you just can't do with practical effects. Right. I mean, but these movies were based around the effects that they could do. I think sometimes. Right. Totally. And they're built they're sort of constrained like i mean this it looks like the most insane thing that you know you could see but there are some parts that look kind of cheesy but you don't care because it's so horrific yeah altogether the, the tentacles at the end looked really cheesy like the stop motion it's the one place in the movie where they it looked like they were technologically that looks cheesy the outmatched. part where the where the windows gets bit in his head and there's oh, sort right. of like a yeah. body yeah it's supposed to be his body but it looks kind of fake Totally. But there, it doesn't look any faker than when I know that 
if he was CG and I just knew there was a CG body being bitten by the the thing and flung around the room. Yeah. Let's watch that. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Let's take a pause and watch movie that. magic. We'll be back. I don't know what the hell's in there. It's weird and pissed off. Whatever it is. Okay. So we just watched this like short little YouTube video about the 2011 remake. And then we looked at the practical effects made by amalgamated dynamics. Um, and then I just found this article. Apparently they shot the remake practically, but at the end of the day, it didn't hold up. It looked a bit like an eighties movie for which, uh, let's see. So we enhanced it with CGI. That's what the director said. It's unfortunate. Yeah. The CGI is like atrocious that they replaced it with. It's so bad. It ends up it's it's I think it's particularly not very good CGI, but even give me a break. All right, but even if you look at like look at like a uh, Force Awakens, those like rang rang rocks or whatever it is that Han Solo's carting around. Oh, ra- raptar raptars raptars uh, raptars. Yeah, raptars. Yeah, they they even those look shitty. But they're only in it for a second, and you don't really have to believe it that much. Like even the best CGI, it's yeah, still looks. I agree. It never looks believable to me. Not as creepy as whatever those weird pneumatic tubes they had yeah, pulsating in the thing. Yeah, and even in the remake, the practical effects we just looked at looked incredible. I mean, it the seems like such a shame that they weren't insane. left in the movie. You know, it's not real. It still creeps you out. Yeah, totally. I'm not a fool, Bliskin. After Halloween, he directed Elvis in 1979, a TV movie. Halloween's so scary. And then he directed The Fog in 1980. Have you seen that? The Fog? Mm. No, and that is supposed to be a really good one, and that is one of the ones that I have not seen, and I should not be doing a podcast about John Carpenter. I haven't seen (laughs) I know, I haven't seen it either. We're terrible. But anyway, his next movie. You know what? That one's supposed to be good. right? Yeah. It's about ghosts. It's about, like, like, underwater pirate skeleton ghosts come out of the fog. Like like Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah, they ripped out the fog. I think. <laughs> really? Oh, I got it. We got to watch that. I got to see that. Let's watch the fog right now. Right now, we'll be back. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> That'll. T- I uh, I will fall asleep by that point. Uh, so then, next in 1981 was Escape from New York. Classic. Yeah, which I just watched a couple days ago for the first time. So good. I loved it. Uh, I loved. <laughs> I loved that it was basically just Kurt Russell running around in tights. Like being tough. He looks There's something like so anachronistic pants. about that, you know? He's being tough. He's got an Uzi. It's, yeah. Yeah. But he's wearing tights. He's like Robin Hood. It is very tight like, yes. Yeah. He is he is a he is a Robin Hood. He's an anti hero. Yeah. It's a bit of a western, but it's also, yeah, it kind of exists in its own genre. It's just a weird story. Yeah. Yeah. What if New York was a prison? What if this guy, he had a reputation. He's got to go be tough there wearing tights. <laughs> what if like what if New They're York's not a prison? Tights, are they? They're like leather They're pants. They're totally tights. All right. Should we pull up a picture? No, I believe they're tights. They're tight leather pants. Yeah. I think they're tactical pants. I'm maybe I'm pretty- I'm pretty sure maybe tactical they tights. They have a tactical purpose. I uh, I wear tights on stage. I'm all for tights. I'm not I've saying anything against tights. tights. Yeah, and they are definitely also tactical tights. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah they're appropriate for the actions that you have to perform with your legs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm I am 
I am to the rock and roll world what Snake Plissken is to New York. Yeah, where they're like, and what we have to accomplish is similar. They thought you were going to be bigger. No, they say that to him a lot. It's like him and Patrick Swayze yeah. in Roadhouse, where they're like, I thought you were taller, and he's like, my reputation and the guns that I carry. I've never seen Roadhouse. Wow. <laughs> if there's not aliens in a movie, it's not first on my list to watch. No, I get it. Roadhouse is a good movie, though, and we should yeah. watch it. I, I would watch I like Patrick Swayze. I think one of the guys, I think at least half the cast from The Thing is probably in Roadhouse. Oh, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think there's like one guy. <laughs> the, I think the guy, I think the guy whose head comes off and crawls around i think he's also in roadhouse oh that was and so fucking the, let the listeners at home be mad if i'm wrong about that i'm going in john carpenter's escape from new york the high adventure of the future one man must go in where no man has ever gotten out so in in all the john carpenter movies that i watched there was like wireframe animation in all of them in every single one which I thought was so For interesting. For computers, yeah. Yeah, like in Escape from New York, they showed these grids of the city, and when they were showing the plane crashing, they like cut away from the real plane and show the wireframe grid crashing, yeah. well, which is yeah. such a cool way to like save money and still kind of tell the story in an interesting way. I really liked it. I thought it was super cool. Uh, and then in Starman, he well, would that's... like bring up these grids in front of him to show like oh. where they're flying to, like or driving to Arizona. He was trying to show uh, Jenny where to go. Well, yeah. I mean, I know I know you're a little bit younger than me, but uh, back in the '80s, that's what computers looked like, right? <laughs> so that was like the height of computer graphics. Right. Was well, he still did it in Ghosts of Mars, like in in 2010. Did he really? Yeah, he's, it was something no, similar. That's what he's like. This is still what computers look like <laughs> to him. I think probably <laughs> totally. Yeah, uh, where. <laughs> But everything was like like war games. Everything was like, yeah, that's yeah. what they look like. It's like the Death Star trench run. Exactly. I think the same guy animated that that animated the stuff for Escape from New York. I would not be surprised. I think I read that yesterday. I would, that'd be, yeah. E- either I read that or I made it up. Either way, it's interesting. I don't think you would make that up, <laughs> but I like it. Yeah. yeah that's, that's too strange to make up. Yeah. It has to be real. It's strange enough that I believe it. Yeah, totally. So what how, what do you feel about Escape from New York? How does it rank for you? I love that movie. Yeah, it's good. I I I haven't I don't watch that as much as I watch um Big Trouble in Little China and the thing, I yeah. think. It had so much personality, you know? I'm a big fan of Escape from LA, which is the yeah, sequel to I, that. I didn't have time to watch that one. Steve I really want to see it. Peter Fonda, they go surfing on a sewer wave. It's ridiculous. Oh my God. It's Did you know good. that Ghosts of Mars was written as Escape from Mars for Snake Plissken? No, no, I have to watch it now. And then they replaced him with someone named Desolation Williams, played, no! by, played by Ice Cube. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, the, it's like, it was weird. It was. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do Escape well, no, from they, Mars. They actually made so little money with Escape from LA that the studio wouldn't go for it. So he rewrote the character. Oh no. Yeah. But it's good. Like that I don't think that that would have fit very well. And I actually God, I have I, to see Ghost of Mars. I kind of like the first half of Ghost of Mars, I'm like I think I don't like this. But then the second half is like, "All right, I like this." <laughs> it like it's yeah. so fucking weird. It's so weird. 
And it, it kind of reminded me of Pitch Black a little bit, where it's like yeah. a total B it's movie. It's a standalone B sci-fi yeah. movie, where it, it, it's it, just it, like it a, exists in its own stupid little world, but it, totally. it hits that sweet spot. It's like it reminded me a lot of Starship Troopers, actually. Also, yeah, yes, very perfect some, comparison. I love Starship Troopers. Love Starship Troopers. So, love Pitch Black. And also Escape from New York. Yeah, right in there. Ghost yeah. of Mars. Now I want to see it. I uh, So Not as the good, basic though. premise of Ghost of Mars is that there's this like ancient Martian uh, spirit or like ghosts that are living like buried somewhere. It's basically like the thing and the fog combined. Uh, and they and when, like Total Recall because they had, well, no, that was an alien technology that made oxygen out of ice. <laughs> Uh, the the, the Schwarzenegger Total Recall? Total Recall, yeah. Okay. Oh, I love that movie. Oh. Quato is one of my favorite things. Ooh, we should do Sci-Fi on Trial, um, <gasps> the Total new... Recall remake, which I meant. That's a great idea. Because totally well, that's almost a thing where like no one has an opinion on that movie because no one watched it. Yeah, I didn't see it. I did see the Robocop remake and I didn't like it. I kind of enjoyed it. Really? I. Ugh. That's another discussion. No, but I we hate should, that we guy should... that's... Oof. Yeah, I didn't like the guy. No, I hated that guy. He um, was in Suicide Squad, which I also hated. He was okay in Suicide Squad. He was good I in House of Cards, though. I Suicide Squad. I thought Suicide Squad was all right. No! Like, it was... It wasn't the best thing, but I, I enjoyed it, you know? They saved the world with just dynamite. Yeah, they, they Wait, did the same thing in the thing. Wait, that's what happened in the thing. God damn it. <laughs> um, oh, oh, so Ghost of Mars, dude. This, like, Martian spirit inhabits the bodies of humans, and then they start, like mutilating themselves and like cutting off people's heads for the people that weren't changed and then cutting off their faces and putting them on their own faces masks and it's disgusting oh my god that sounds but, so like this comic book story <laughs> idea that i had for a thing that i can't talk about because it still might do a thing but nice. now i gotta see Ghost you should do Mars. it uh but the thing that was amazing about it was that like the leader of the evil like martian human people had the funniest voice ever do you, did you go on on homestarrunner.com? Homestar! <laughs> Do you remember Homestar? He's like, I'm Homestar. Remember hey, that guy? Yeah, I talk like <laughs> this one. <laughs> Candy corns and apple jacks. <laughs> like that? I'm on the gravy train. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, so the bad guy in Ghost of Mars. Like he was just yelling the whole time. I'm the ghost of Mars. <laughs> he would literally yell just like this. He was like, ah, ah, and it was so funny. <laughs> it was not supposed to be funny. It was That's supposed classic. to be scary, but it was just like this big, like tall guy who looked kind of like a really evil Marilyn Manson, just no, going like, he's ah, the ghost of Mars. Oh, that reminds me. Oh, that reminds me of uh, the Land of the Dead, which was the George Romero zombie movie <laughs> with, John, with John Leguizamo and Dennis Hopper. It was a. Uh, it was basically an army of zombies being led by the by one smart zombie who had learned emo- who had felt emotions, and he saw zombies, huh. other zombies getting killed, and he would get upset and he'd go. Uh. <laughs> Be upset when he saw his people being hurt, the oh, zombie man. people, and he would go. Ah! 
Oh my and god! Would say no, but go. Oh, it's really good. Is it supposed to be funny or is it like? No, I oh, don't no. know. It kind of is. No, it's not yeah. supposed to be funny. I felt like it wasn't supposed to be funny in Ghost of Mars. It's not supposed to be funny in this. Either, but I enjoyed it. But it's but hilarious. The great thing about Ghost of Mars is like by the end of the movie, uh, I like I kind of really wanted to see more of the of the two main characters, uh, like Natasha Hemstridge, I think is her name. Oh was, yes, of Spaceys. Of what? Species. Oh, species! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Species that girl. One, two, and I have never seen three. those movies. Are those good? <laughs> no, no, but no, no, they're <laughs> worth watching, though. Are they? Yeah. Oh, we should do an episode. Oh about yeah, that. species. Dude, one I two. love having a podcast it's that just like forces me to watch all uh, these movies. Tom Sizemore, so great. Great Tom Sizemore. Yeah, Tom Sizemore. Yeah, Tom Sizemore is the guy from Saving Private Ryan, who's like the sergeant. I haven't seen that either. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom Sizemore he's in no point break Tom Sizemore he's like an angry guy dude Sizemore that's an interesting name yeah I don't know Tom. I, yeah if you haven't seen hold on let me look up Tom Sizemore Species Species about an alien who turns into a hot lady so she can make out and, and shove her tongue through the back oh. of people's heads yeah I know Tom Sizemore yeah um, you haven't seen Saving Private Ryan? No, I know. There's no aliens in that. <laughs> That's it, dude. That's There's the no thing. aliens. It's, I but love Spielberg. Spielberg, but baby. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. And that's the thing. Is I want to like, see it. It's like, that movie creates a suspense. Like, that was one of the movies where it's like, I, I remember seeing that in the theater several times. And it was like, I never cared more and was more scared for a group of characters than I was for the guys in Saving Private Ryan. And John Carpenter is very good. Uh, and also creating suspense because there's like there's a sparseness to their movies that creates the space that creates suspense because I feel like absolutely the, uh, John Carpenter Spielberg all those guys they grew up watching uh, westerns huh which are sparse because it's a western because it's desert and there's a guy and a horse and then the suspense of uh, a shootout, which is uh, you know two guys are like, like gonna shoot each other, or someone's gonna die, but like the slow buildup of like time up until one event happens is uh, is like a study in suspense. So yeah, I think these guys grew up going to see westerns and and weird B sci-fi movies like the thing from Another World, and they smash those together <laughs> in their movies um, and are masters at creating suspense while telling an incredibly imaginative story. And it is that classic Star Wars like Western and sci-fi um, and horror uh, clash because those were like the three movies that were like kids would go see like matinee movies like that they grew up with, there were it was yeah. westerns, sci-fi, and and scary monster movies, and they yeah. and in the seventies and eighties they they smashed them all together and made basically some of the best movies that were ever made. Yeah, it's <laughs> and like, comedies like, too, like Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is fucking sorry for my cursing in my potty mouth, <laughs> but that's like Eben Costello meet the Mummy. It's like it's it's comedy meets horror and science fiction. It's all those. Yeah, totally. Like when you listen to, uh, I listen to the writers panel. It's like Nerdist podcast about 
all these writers talking about writing yeah. their shows. And they talk about like the difference in LA of like writing genre fiction versus just writing like a, like stand, you know, like a fictional world. Sure. And genre fiction was kind of looked down on for a really long time. And like, that's where a lot of B movies came from is that it's like genre stories that people wanted to tell that couldn't get funding and they'd become like these, Right, like they could only get a little bit done, so they'd do what they could, like Ed Wood, you know. Sure, and same uh, could be said ten, ten, twenty years ago for comic book movies. Where now absolutely. that is like, yeah, absolutely, that is like the bread and butter of of, of filmmaking yeah. right now. Totally, is like if you could make a comic book movie, yeah. But like, but when John, I was a kid, you couldn't you couldn't find a good comic book movie to save your life. Totally, it, it seems like, like Spawn. Like, the Spawn movie, <laughs> or no, like Tim Burton's Batman movie. That was like a pinnacle of, of yeah, that's good, a great movie. Good comic book movies, totally. But that was one of the first. Um, yeah, I feel like those John, old uh, Superman movies are okay. Yeah, those are really good. Reeves. The first one in particular. Yeah, I feel like John Carpenter is like the master of genre filmmaking. Like he's he, one it, of them. Yeah, like he does a couple of genres and he does them incredibly well. Yeah, you know, like I, even though I haven't watched his horror like strictly horror movies, there was a lot of horror in the sci-fi movies that I watched. Yeah. That was really, really awesome. Like uh, up there on par with the horror that I've seen in like my favorite horror movies. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's sci-fi and some of his horror stuff too. I mean, Halloween's kind of straightforward, but you know, um, Prince of Darkness and what else is there? And like vampires or something. I've never seen that with James Woods, James Woods. Yeah. Uh, well, John Carpenter's vampire. Oh, Christine. He did Christine. Christine I have also not seen in a long time. That's a Stephen King thing. Uh, Mark Carr kills everyone. Right. But that right, opening right. scene where it's the factory, I remember that. There's an opening scene where the car is being made in the factory, and the car itself is evil. <laughs> That's what the thing with Christine is. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it already. Yeah, it's a murderous car. That's genius. Yeah. So, let's see. Escape from New York was in 81. He was fucking busy. He did The Thing in 82, Christine in 83, and Starman in 84. Yeah. Um, You know what I loved about Escape from New York was the end, where he had this tape that was supposed to help prevent, like, tension with, like, nuclear tension or something like that. Yeah. And he destroys the tape. It's, he's just, like, like, saving the president, but the president was, like... Treat what treated him like shit in the end, you know. Yeah, and so he's and like, he's "I'm just only like, gonna help you as much as I'm obligated to." Yeah, and, and like uh, if if you're if you're such a fucked up guy, then whatever system you represents probably fucked up too. So I'm not gonna help you. Yeah, so screw you guys. Yeah, it had this really really cool like yeah. anarchist yeah. ending that yeah. I really dug. I did feel like the movie didn't really have like like very many layers, and I, I like I like movies with more layers. Okay, so there's you know? his machine gun layer. And then there's the layer of him not wanting to have to do the stuff that he's having to do. And then he shoots through most of it with a machine gun. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, like, what it has, I loved, you know? (laughs) It's like, it just wasn't as complex as a lot of his other movies. There's a simplicity and a sparseness to a lot lot of John Carpenter's films that I think that are beneficial in a way that movies... Should use Even, now. Yeah, yeah, should use now. I, the thing was like perfect in that way for me, where there was like a lot of tension, a lot of building, a you don't lot get of time. Any of those guys' stories. Yeah, you just get their names. Yeah, and what they're wearing and how they act in the movie. 
but you feel like a sense of history for everyone yeah. in all of these movies. In Starman, I felt like it was the most pronounced when you meet uh, Jenny, the main character played by Karen Karen uh, Karen Allen. Allen? Karen yeah, Allen. Karen Allen from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh yeah, uh, Marion Ravenwood. She she was amazing in this movie. When you first meet her, she's like watching a video of herself and Jeff Bridges who played her husband, Scott, who died. Yeah. So she's watching a video of Scott and she's like drinking and smoking and crying. And you get a hundred percent, like get what is happening right. in the situation. There's not a, a word spoken and you feel like this intense sense of loss that she's experiencing. So that when the course, like throughout the course of the movie, an alien comes down in it and recreates her husband's body uh, and inhabits it. So she has to deal with someone who looks just like her husband, but is a completely different person. And, through the course of that kind of opens up this like well of grief and let some of it go. Yeah. It is a beautiful fucking movie. I was like, so into it. Every moment of that film, like that Starman is actually like right up there with like why I love science fiction. It did everything that I like sci-fi to do. You know, it like told a story about bringing humanity together. It was like really pro science. It was pro love. It was all about like looking at your behavior and seeing how you act and how other people will interpret that. Uh, and like being just conscious and aware of yourself as a person. It was so good. I loved it. You said you watched me. You said you knew the rules. I do know the rules. Oh, well, for your information, pal, that was a yellow light back there. I watched you very carefully. Red light stop, green light go, yellow light go very fast. You better let me drive. I will drive. Yeah, this movie sounds like your jam. It's love and science. Which is yeah, man. <laughs> Those are my favorite things. About. Yeah. If you put some rock and roll and tights in there, I would have been God, set for you life. You need to make that movie. You need to make rock and roll Starman. Like a yeah. musical version of Starman. Oh, that would be so cool. Starring you. Do you remember? I know it's been a while since you've seen it, but I like Jeff Bridges' performance as the alien version of Scott, um, a.k.a. Starman, was a, a really, really big acting choice. Like, he was... I don't remember. So weird yeah. on purpose. Uh-huh. I, and I thought it was super effective. Like I, it was almost funny at times, but I feel like there was a deadness in his eyes in the beginning that made all of it work really well for me. I think that he like kind of nailed it. I have not seen that since I was a kid, but it left, I would say like an indelible impression on me. Yeah. Uh, I remember it very much. I could see it in my mind right now. So you know you did a good job. Yeah. yeah, I wish I'd seen that as a kid because that would have that would have become one of my favorite movies ever. And it still may. I'm gonna watch it a few more times. But you should watch it uh, right now. Let's pause. This, <laughs> let's pause. This, watch Starman real quick. And, and the also, fog. we'll watch Starman in the Fog. Empires we'll of Mars. Out. Yeah, I would watch it again. Well, we can do a second part. We can do it. Uh, yeah, part we can too. Totally. I feel like talking about all of these is gonna be a a big thing. The thing. Uh, 1982. <laughs> Do you see that transition? That was good. Christine, 1983. Starman, 1984. Big Trouble in Little China, in 1986, which uh, was so quirky and weird and awesome and fun. It's the first one of his movies I saw, and like start to finish, I was like, you know what? This is weird. I don't know what this is, but I'm for it. <laughs> well, you, yeah, that movie is another unique film where I feel like there's there's nothing quite like it. And the guy that uh, wrote Big Trouble in Little China is the guy that um, directed uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that. 
That's so cool. Which is one of my favorite. Yeah, movies. you showed me that, and I loved that movie. That we should do a podcast about that. We should do like a commentary to Buckaroo Banzai. We That'd should be just fun. do. We should just be Buckaroo Banzai in our life. I think we should totally. try to be uh, the Hong Kong Cavaliers if we can. Start that band back up. See, that band had the rock and roll and tights element. They had the they had the look. They had the roster. They had the know-how, and they had the... They got the special they sauce. They had the guns. They had the special sauce. Yeah. That's a great movie. All right, so let's see. 1987, he did Prince of Darkness, and then 88, he did They Live. Have you seen Prince of Darkness? Yeah. How's I that? I actually watched that again recently. It's good. It's a weaker one of his. It's it's about... It's, a, it's another movie about scientists, um, and they're studying this cylinder... That's full of a spooky green substance that turns out to actually be um, Satan. The essence <laughs> of Satan Whoa. trapped um, in a container. And that, and then Satan sort of like uh, impregnates someone. And then they're outside of the building. All, the, all, the, uh, all these uh, street people are, are turning into sort of zombies and they're attacking people and... Uh, yeah, it's another zombie adjacent thing. He, hmm. John Carpenter, I think he. <laughs> yeah, Ghost of Mars. I don't Mars know if he's, totally it's because also. he didn't get to make a zombie movie, and because zombies are just monsters, particular monsters that like sort of follow a sort of general set of rules. But I think he really made several movies that were essentially zombie movies. But with um, slightly more interesting or different zombies. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, he like of, made up sci-fi versions of zombies. Yeah, because Prince of Darkness is like that. They get, the people get possessed by this goo. They get this goo on them, and then they want to like uh, grab the other person and like spew the goo into their mouth, and then that person is is one of the bad people. Hmm. Then essentially, and they can die and they're and come back. And they are, and they're still zombies, but they kind of remember, but they kind of don't. They're like possessed, but they're also zombies. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I would watch it. No, it's dope. Yeah, it's not just strictly horror. It's 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 just like watching the thing, really. Cool. Uh, yeah, and then they live. Nineteen eighty eight. They is, live. Uh, was another one that I thought was just like, like I I thought it was like sensationally good. I I had this like, I think Star I, Starman was maybe. Like more my speed, but they live was kind of like for me as like an adult versus me as a kid, you know. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I, I would not have liked they live, but I would have loved Starman. Now as an adult, like they live really spoke to me, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, because it's it's about it's about living in a totalitarian world without really knowing. Yeah, it, being you know? being duped controlled. and kind of knowing you're being duped, and then being able to find a really um, tangible reason. <laughs> why you're being duped yeah and being to shoot it in the face essentially yeah and kind of take it down it's very um satisfying I and think. it's like the first part of the movie all i knew about it going into it was that there were aliens in it that's all i knew yeah. so the first part of the movie when you see like the the preacher on tv not the preacher what am i saying there's like the preacher on the, street, on the street talking about yeah. like what's happening and then there's the the dude on tv yeah that like knows the preacher i guess cuz they're all part of this organization yeah. um, who's talking about what's happening 
And like knowing that there's going to be aliens, I was just thinking like, what a, what an amazing precursor to discovering that aliens are in a movie, you know, like watching people talking about it as if it were like cable access, you know, conspiracy shows and how you would just not take that seriously. Uh, Like seeing that in the movie, I thought was so fucking cool as like a a prelude to what was about to happen later on. It's much like the movie Conspiracy Theory starring Mel Gibson. I remember that. Patrick Stewart was in that. um, Where it turns out that your paranoid uh, delusions are in fact... Are real. Are very real. Yeah. And you could shoot them with a shotgun. Yeah. And they don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Roddy Piper and his shotgun. It's good. Yeah. I like it. I, I like it. I, Roddy Piper is a... It's an interesting choice. I This is a movie that I... Yeah, I saw very recently. And, and I... Yeah, I kind of think, you know, what was... What was Kurt Russell doing? He was busy, and so he couldn't I be in this. Loved Roddy Piper though. I, I totally <laughs> thought that had, when the movie have, started. They, I'm they like, made, they took look, advantage. They of got it. another Kurt Russell guy, and uh, and Keith David is in it, and they get yeah. in the longest fight ever. And oh, uh, and so I feel like good. That, that couldn't have happened if he wasn't Roddy Piper, the yeah. the wrestler. And wrestling was yeah. huge back then. Wrestling that, was like, I know it's big now, but like in the '80s, it was it was. Um, it was on par with the Olympics. It's like Olympics or these fake athletes. We don't care. They're all like <laughs> our heroes, essentially. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. yeah. Keith David has been and popping Roddy up. Piper's in like a bad guy. Keith David has been popping up in like everything I've been watching recently. He was in Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick and Community. And oh, then yeah. all of these movies, like he was in The Thing. But he was fucking awesome in They Live. And that oh, fight great that, was yeah. the most like... I was like flinching. I was ducking and flinching during that fight. I, I've never been so engrossed in a in a physical fight in a movie before. And every time it's over, they start fighting again, yeah. and it's fucking brutal. And like at the end of it, they end up on the same side, and it's amazing. It was so cool. I I think that that movie, like that scene in particular, really epitomizes John Carpenter's ability to tell a story visually and have it be so compelling. Yeah. Where there's no dialogue, there's just like, like really clear motivations from everyone involved, and then they act in a very clear way, so you know what they're thinking. Like there was a lot of that in Escape from New York. Like Snake Plissken's a very, like, uh, doesn't use a lot of words. Yeah. Well, I think, and a lot of his character just comes through his actions. Steven Spielberg even I think in something said you know you should be able to a good movie you should be able to watch it on um, mute with the sound off yeah and be able to figure out what's going on so it should tell you everything you need to know visually even though the sound is very important (laughs) yeah um yeah totally but and it should, and and on those movies do they absolutely. really do? Yeah, they really do. I think or more they, so yeah. than than most movies that I've seen. Yeah, which is something that really stood out to me that I really liked in all of them. Uh, in '92, he did Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which was like a huge flop. Uh, he did Body Bags. What? That that's with Chevy Chase. Oh, I don't God. think I've I don't think I've seen that. You know, I might have seen that when I was like he directed twelve. That? Yeah, I yeah, I don't think I've seen. It's that. considered a misstep in his career, from what I've read. Well, you got to try a thing. <laughs> yeah, he did he body bags. Comedy. I don't think he's he's funny, but not that funny. Yeah, he he yeah. Starman is like listed as a comedy, but it's not at all. It's just like a a sci fi drama. Yeah, yeah. That's weird. Uh, he did body bags in '93, which is a TV anthology movie. 
uh, In the Mouth of Madness in 95. Now, In the Mouth of Madness is, that's pretty brilliant. That's really? That's a very good. That's a horror one, right? It's a horror, but it's also, it's like Lovecraftian. So it's, oh, it's yeah. sci-fi. Oh, really? It's, it's oh, science fiction horror. Oh, it's, my God, I uh, see this. He, in the movie, there's an author who is sort of like Stephen King-ish. He's like the most famous author. And his new book is coming out, but like there's something wrong. They don't know where he is. They send Sam Neill from Jurassic Park to go yeah. find him. Uh, in this town, people people go insane. If they, it's like if they read this book, they go insane. Huh? And they send them to essentially this fictional town, and it ends up being like a real place. Oh, it's it's so spooky. All right. So the next movie he made, same year as In the Mouth of Madness in '95, Carpenter made Village of the Damned. That's one that I haven't seen. Me neither. Oh dang! See, all right, you should do a spooky Halloween horror. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, we'll do a horror John Carpenter yeah, episode. Yeah, because you don't like horror. This is too scary for you, and I understand. I love horror. I just didn't want... I, I, well, this my is priority, my priority is aliens. aliens. <laughs> uh, so in 96, he made Escape from L.A., which you said you loved, right? I, I don't love it. <laughs> I enjoy it a lot. It yeah. is very funny. It's like a totally different style of movie from Escape from New York, right? No, it's the exact same thing, but oh, in really? L.A. Yeah. Isn't it like campier? It's campier, yes, slightly. Yeah, I heard it was kind of like the difference between Evil Dead and and uh, what's the third one? Uh, Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. That, yeah, I would say yeah. Where Army of Darkness is like way campier, but still kind of fantastic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would say yes. There, because Evil Dead to Evil Dead Two. Evil Dead 1, very scary. Yeah. Evil Dead 2, very silly. But also, yeah, but scary. also very scary. It was like a, it was like a more extreme version yeah, of Army Evil Darkness Dead. Yeah, Army Darkness is very silly, not yeah, that scary. Not scary. Um, yeah, Escape from L.A. It was like gritty. Escape from New York is like gritty and this, like yeah. gritty and campy. Gritty and campy. Escape from L.A. Maybe just it's, campy. It's campier because it's L.A., baby. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen it, so I don't know it's what I'm talking about. It's got that L.A. flair. I don't know why I'm making an argument about a movie I haven't seen. That's ridiculous. It is, though. It's way sillier. Is it? That's that's yeah. just what I've been told. They I want to see it. They surf on like a... <laughs> some sort of... There's a part where... <laughs> Steve Buscemi's driving away in a big car because it's L.A. And they, even though it's a prison, they still have big cars. They drive around and they wear suits a lot because it's, <laughs> they have to keep up sort of the L.A. image. <laughs> and then... There's a part where they're, uh, where Peter Fonda and Snake Plissken are, Peter Fonda plays a surfer, and they're surfing along um, this pipeline, and they're like chasing Steve Buscemi, and he's like driving the car, and then looks back, and he's like, sees them surfing up on this like wave that's chasing him, he's like, oh no, they're catching up, <laughs> it's a chase now, and he's like trying to get away from all their like, we're surfing to chase you. It's hilarious. <laughs> There's their surf chasing him. That sounds awesome. On this thing where they're like, the road goes right next to where they happen to be like, there's a huge wave that's going to come through here. I can't remember the reason why, but I, Peter Fonda knows about it. I really want to watch that movie. I, it's I wanted to watch it today, but I ran out of time. Yeah. And it's got AJ Langer from uh, My So-Called Life. It's very good. Huh. 
I remember that show. She plays the president's daughter, I think. I loved that show. First, you gotta say the president. This is the president's daughter. And oh, she is gets, it? <laughs> yeah, she gets she gets fooled by the king of L.A., who's like an, this gangster guy. The king of L.A. Yeah, the, there was. Yeah, he's like. That always makes me think of Newsies. When I think of the Duke of New York, I'm like, Duke of New York. Look at me. I'm, I'm the Duke, Duke of New York. Suddenly. <laughs> I'm so special. Look <laughs> at me, and I'm the king of New York. I fucking love, love Newsies, dude. Newsies is awesome. When that kid from Roundhouse was twirling around on that ceiling fan. Oh my god, Roundhouse! It. He had the best open book. That's hair. my cigar. I'll steal another. Yeah, that's all I remember. I, I, I gotta watch that. Kids. That movie's fucking awesome. Christian Bale oh, is great. I in loved that movie. all the Roundhouse kids. Like, so what much. happened to Christian Bale after that movie? He became he's still, very serious. Yeah, he's still pretty great, but he's very different. He's got he's a lot angrier. Yeah, there's a there's a thing with big male actors where they're they're uh, expected to be, or they present themselves as. Well, they're very important. I get it. They make a lot of money, but they're so macho. Yeah. And they got to yell you, a lot. You know what's kind of cool? But you know cool? what? I get it because when I'm up in my room and my and no one's there, but my roommates are downstairs and they can still hear me sometimes, I yell a lot. Yeah. Because it feels good to get that out. You know what makes me forgive Christian Bale is yeah. that I listened to this story on Hollywood Babylon where Ralph Garman is a radio personality in L.A. and he was impersonating yeah. Chris Bale, like screaming. Why did I call Bale. him Chris Bale? Christian Bale. I love it. Uh, let's go with Chris. I like it. It was an accident, but let's keep it. He was uh, he was impersonating Chris Bale, uh, screaming Chris at that person Bale, on Chris set. Pine, you <laughs> yeah. know, Chris Pine. Uh, and then Chris Bale actually called in to the radio station and said, "Look, I want to go on air. You've been like impersonating me. I want to go on air." Yeah. And he went on air and said, "Yeah, like I just want to say I really enjoy what you guys are doing. I was like a total asshole, and I deserve it. And like basically like cops yeah. to being a dick." On, yeah. on air and I think that's pretty cool you know like maybe maybe his temper got out of control and he had a bad day but he recognized that after the fact I think that if I was on set and that I was having a bad day but then my yelling could be excused because I'm kind of in charge because I'm a star of a movie I would probably do some yelling too I think that I would do that like like call call into a radio station or or do the no do the I yelling. would just be the angry yelling oh really interesting yeah. you don't I don't remember me. what he said you don't strike I, me as that type of I person I get very upset sometimes oh good for you <laughs> oh yeah today I screened in my laptop because it wouldn't stream video for me when I was trying to watch <laughs> news this morning I was trying to watch CNN and it I I can't I gotta update something and it was not having it. And for 15 minutes, I was just like, fine, thank you. Don't do a thing that you're supposed to do. You're just a thing that streams videos. That's all you are. Just do your thing you're supposed to. You can't even do that. And that's the same thing. Yeah. Except that I'm just Except that thing is not a living person. It's not a person. It doesn't have feelings. Someday that computer will have feelings, in which case we'll have to make a determination as to whether robo-crime is And there's still sort of a question now as to whether maybe the computer can hear me and whether maybe it's still kind of upset. Maybe it's taking notes for when it's uh, fully conscious. (laughs) Yeah. Like when it has a personality, it'll be formed by the yelling. It's like he's been yelling, and we don't know. It'll why, have a distaste we, for humans. We, Thanks, Ryan. We know we've done something wrong, or maybe something's wrong with him. Just trying to figure us out. Yeah. Uh, but okay. They can't yet. Thank <laughs> so, goodness. So after Escape from LA was Vampires two years later in '98. Which I also, I'm sorry that I haven't seen literally half of these movies. Oh, that's totally fine. I 
I, I, I think I should be required to watch the rest and then we talk about them later. I'm down. I'm down oh, for that. Boy. I today I just wanted to like gotta watch the fog. Just like talk through the you know just like his career in general because I think it's really interesting. Like the the more I learn about him, the more interested I Vampires am. Vampires with James Woods. And it's John Carpenter's vampires. Right. And he's like, I know everyone's done vampires. I'm going to do vampires. vampires. I know. For I Stoker's John Carpenter. Dracula, John Carpenter's vampires. I'm excited to see it. Uh, next is Ghost of Mars in 2001, which was three years yeah. later, which is like the biggest gap he's had yet uh, between movies. And most- no, I take that back. Between They Live and Memoirs of an Invisible Man, there's like a four-year gap. Can we say that they live is probably the end of his decent career? Uh, I don't know. Oh, sorry, I mean, Jenny. I haven't I haven't seen enough of the, sorry, the other ones to know. And his last movie was in 2010. The it was Ward. The Ward. Did you see that? I've tried to watch it. It's bad. I've turned it on. Often I'll watch movies late at night when it's time for me to sleep and I'll just fall asleep with thing and that's not the movie's fault. I've tried to watch The Ward and I have not been able to watch it. Sorry, there's nothing over there. I'm just, I, I look wistfully over there, <laughs> so, so that I can think about things. It does have Amber Heard, who's you know she's, you know she's great. It's about a ward. It's about the ward. <laughs> but I don't know what happens, and I don't know anyone that's watched it huh. that's told me that it's good. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing where. Yeah, his he career kind of went through a weird and, thing. Like, it, it, well, no, I think sometimes you're done making movies and being so good at making movies hmm. that you kind of ran through either your not your creativity, but maybe like your also time. The thing, the thing that you were doing that was connecting has maybe changed in a way that no longer connects. Right, like, I feel that way about Steven Spielberg. I just watched the BFG a couple weeks ago, and I was pretty unimpressed with it. And that's one of my favorite books from childhood. Like I read, my dad yeah. read that to me when I was really little. Uh, and then I, that's one of the first books that I read that on my own. That was his BFG? The BFG, yeah. yeah. I didn't see that. Um, I didn't see Lincoln and I didn't see War Horse. Yeah, I didn't see any of those. I don't know, yeah. But, but I, I, I felt like Minority Report was like, was like in the decline of Spielberg. He's made a lot of movies. Yeah. And I don't begrudge him continuing to make movies, but... I'd like they, to see him make something that has any any sort of the feeling of magic that his early movies had. Because they're not going to, because yeah. there's there's something about um, the grit of learning to do a thing and getting through it, I think, that um, causes the friction that creates great art. And then sometimes you, you master it, and then once you're past it... You're just past it? I don't know. Is that a weird... I don't know. Like, I'd love to think that George Lucas could make. I I wonder if George Lucas could make another great film. I believe in him. I believe that he could. No, I don't think that they will. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't. It happens to. I don't think it's likely, but I think that he could do it. I think it's in him somewhere. I I would love to see what George Lucas would make now that wasn't Star Wars related. You know. And I don't. It's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's even ageist or or anything. I I I think it. I think it even has it has to do with the learning of a craft and the mastering of it, and then once you've mastered it, 
you you're kind of done or you can i don't it, know it's like you stop trying to learn more i don't think and that's just, for every i don't think that yeah. is a universal thing but i yeah. think it happens a lot it seems to happen a lot it seems to happen a lot to directors you know yeah like where directors films will kind of lose their relevancy yeah like indiana jones in the kingdom of the crystal skull felt kind of irrelevant when when you saw it for the first time well, movies are such it's 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 pop it, it's like music it's pop culture yeah it, it's often of the moment even if right. it's not right on the moment it's totally. sort of of the moment yeah which was interesting when we did the trial of crystal skull watching all four indiana jones movies back to back crystal skull did not stick out as bad as i thought it did it was it was definitely not as good but it wasn't like this disgustingly sore thumb that I thought it was the first time I saw it. When I watched it again, I'm like, oh, I see why they thought that was a a continuation of this story. I get yeah. it, you know? Yeah. I can kind of enjoy this in that in that way and, like, see this as a continuation of that and not it is, but be it's, upset. But it's still never the same as it was at a certain point. For sure. It's, it did not... Like, when you watch Indiana Jones, it feels important. The originals. Yeah. Because it's just so well made. You're like, wow, this is fucking great yeah. filmmaking. And this feels important, you know? This feels relevant to now. This feels like it will change how cinema is looked at because it's, like, going to be something people talk about. And, you know, I haven't... I felt that about a lot of Steven Spielberg movies. You know, Close yeah. Encounters, Jurassic Park. I mean, it's not just me that feels this way. Like, it's, you know, these are movies that are seminal well, movies. I think e. it was... Like yeah, these movies yeah. shaped how popular culture was created, but I think it was also film. I think it was film in those times. I mean, I I I don't I don't think it negates the power of film today, um, but it's also yeah. film and um, television in those times were um, everyone would see the same things. You know, like I, right. movies. It's sort of like that where it's like. If you go to the movie theater, there's only twelve movies out at a time, but like for TV, there's like there's like ten thousand shows streaming. Yeah, and besides the movies that you can see in the theater, there's there's so many available online. But like then, like you know, uh, I think the seventies and eighties were. Uh, you know, a particular time where pop culture was becoming a thing where. Where uh, something that was uh, creative hit the right amount of, of of funding and would create like a, a sort of like worldwide phenomenon yeah. that you like just kind of don't get ever. You kind of try to recreate and stuff. I think a lot of it's technological. Also, I agree with everything you're saying. I feel I feel like it sounds uh, a little weird. And no, I I hear what you're saying. There was like a confluence of of like medium and culture that happened in the eighties yeah. that made some really incredible movies. Um, and I think technologically, like we got far enough to make things look reasonably real, Yeah. but you still had to kind of like, you have to fill in ET with your imagination. You know what bit. I mean? Yeah. Like ET looks really good. And by the end of the movie, you buy him as a character. And that's part of the journey of the movie is like learning to look at this thing and see it as alive. Right. Uh, whereas in a CG movie, like even ET when they replaced ET with CG which looked atrocious. Right. Like the instead of like learning to love a character because of its flaws, you have to kind of try to accept that the character's even there because it looks 
like it's from somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Like, I, it just looks like CG. It's like, do I accept that this CG thing is a part of the story? Right. And, and I do get over that sometimes. Like, I, not, I got over yeah. that with Gollum. I got over that with right. uh, District it's 9, for like, sure. It's not like, like stuff back then, none of it looked real. Because it did. Because a lot of yeah. those special effects, like the thing, and even like yeah, E.T. and stuff, was really it, looks, it looks amazing. And, yeah. like, and it's not to say that stuff now isn't convincing, like, story-wise... Or that there's no yeah. good movies left. But it's different. All, it's really different. It's t- it's weird. Yeah. Like, That's, the Hulk, to me, looks so fake. And I like the Hulk. And I love the Avengers. Yeah. But, like, it does bother my eyes to watch a movie where everything is CG, even if I love the movie. You right. know? Like, I love all the Marvel movies. I don't think I've disliked any of them, except maybe the first Incredible Hulk. But, um... There's this uh, also this sort of weird trend that... Uh, I've sort of noticed where I feel like sometimes movies feel like they were written and or directed by people who played a lot of video games. And also like that is the way they processed a lot of stories was through video games. Absolutely. And their eyes are more used to that sort of and like movies look so much better than video games that if you play a lot of video games and then you watch a CG movie it's like wow look at these graphics and that's kind of exciting you know but it's a, it's not well, the same were, yeah. visceral experience as like seeing something that was actually built like watching a model spaceship fly across the screen and looking as close as you can yeah. and everything still looks real yeah like that's such an experience and i i just wish that they would combine that with CG because the where where model shots fall apart is in the blue screen and the matting where you try to put in the backgrounds and you see like lines around things or yeah. like sharp edges around things, especially in Star Wars. Uh, like they had issues where you could see the mat lines around the Tie Fighters. But it stuff. didn't matter because you never saw a ship move exactly. that way in space. Yeah, totally, or it didn't look totally. Fake. So instead of like mo- moving beyond the mat lines was a big part of like the argument for CG is like, well, we can just put things in the environment with this. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, like, we can animate stuff in the environment versus trying to put it in with lighting and everything. But I feel like the model stuff, it's harder to do really, really well. But when you do it well, it does look better. And if you could combine that with CG and use CG to put, to do like digital matte paintings and stuff of starry backgrounds or whatever, like, I think that would be so powerful. And I think the best example of that is actually the remastered Star Trek The Next Generation where they took these like ILM model shots of the Starship Enterprise and they they found the original footage for like the for everything in the show and they recomposited the the footage of the models digitally and put in digital backgrounds. It looks incredible. It looks yeah. so fucking cool. Nice. It's like really immersive in in a really unique way, especially cuz it's also like my favorite show, so it's really satisfying. Yeah, but yeah. I want to see more shit like that. I want I want filmmakers to put their foot down and say we are using models for this, you know? And I feel like John Carpenter is one of those guys. Like even in Ghosts of Mars, there was some CG in there, but it was mostly practical. And yeah, they like built this village that looked pretty shitty, but then like all these action set pieces took place in the village. And by the end of the movie, I'm like, I kind of dig this, you know, I kind of like what this is doing, even though I don't think this is a good movie. I still like, I I appreciated it. There's a weird sort of like, you know, it's a modern movie. We can't accept it if it looks like a, like the yeah. special effects look dated. But sure we can. But like, why? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Like, people love 80s movies. I think intentionally making something to look 80s now, like fucking Stranger Things. Like people lost their minds for Stranger Things. And I think I that know. Stranger Things would have benefited from taking out the CG and just using like rubber monsters. 
for that for the the go what is it called the Goagothan? is that the gor gorgotho gor gorgana uh yeah, I remember it was a gor it was a gorgolanathian gorgan gorgolith gorgolith yeah gorgolith i don't a beholder <laughs> the monster from yeah. stranger things i feel like it would have been cooler just to, if they'd used like the 80s special effects as well as the 80s pastiche, I think that that could have like it was the Sasquatch. Really neat. Sasquatch, it was the Sasquatch from the Upside Down. Super A was one that I I should rewatch that one because I I I that was a Spielbergian sort of replica. Yeah, but I you can sort of uh, episode seven did an okay job. J.J. Abrams, it's something like they can't capture that sort of suspense that hmm, these people are that John Carpenter it's, they don't and, take in as much time there's it's no like, like it's silence. like Hitchcockian yeah. amount of time and, yeah and and timing right uh put into the building of suspense that right sort of happens sometimes but I don't know if <laughs> it's sometimes you get lost in the flood of all the other stuff that's going on right like you would never see a movie now where there's five and a half minutes of two dudes punching each other right that is gripping you know or just to look at just look at John Carpenter's frames and just look at the sparseness of the sets and the building and how everything it's like oh look it's a green wall and a green building and like a couple boxes yeah. and like a thing it's like very minimal but that creates. I feel like the only person that does that and that and does it almost to the point where it's annoying, you know, is like um, uh, like P.T. Anderson, who hmm. like takes an annoying amount of time and essentially, like, if you watch like There Will Be Blood, it's like a silent movie for the first hour of the movie. But like he uses time and space and imagery to tell. A a taught story, hmm. which um, is a skill that is lost on a lot of directors these days. I think it's not completely lost. A lot of things are good. Yeah. Every once in a while, things are good. Uh, I think there's new stuff that's um, good that's like exciting in a different Get way. Get Out was you really know? good. I haven't uh, seen that yet. That you got to see that. Um, like horror movies because they have the suspense. The um, uh, what was the one that was uh. Don't look at me or look who's following me. It follows. That was it. <laughs> that one was a scary one, you know, that was done with a lot of timing and imagery and, and stuff. Yeah. I feel like the best shit's happening on TV now. I think that, like, the trade-off from not having great 80s movies now is that we have fucking great TV, you know? Yeah. And, it, like, TV that's, I'd say on par with a lot of the most awesome shit from the eighties where they like working with constraints seems to be vital to making good. There's more constraints. I think tell like, like TV and movie budget wise for, yeah. Yeah. For TV than there are for movies. Yeah. TV has to to tell a good story. Yeah. You have to talk when you can't fill up time with show everything. Even game of Thrones will be like, there's a battle that happened. Totally. It would happen. We're not going to show it, but we're going to knock happened. Tyrion out so he won't remember the battle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but movies have to be like 3D. Yeah. And fucking blow blow your socks off. Yeah. Visually every every year. Yeah. You know, and there is something much. wonderful about 
Uh, like I've bagged on CG a lot, but sometimes I actually really love being because it makes insane things that you could not right. Make practically. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, I think is a great example yeah. of a movie that I think is just fucking awesome. That's all CG, and I think the CG is why that movie, a big part of why that movie is awesome, because you it see exist otherwise. you see something bizarre and really interesting and cool, and yeah. it, like the amount of like style and direction and uh, you know like composition that went into that is really impressive. Right, and I I just want something to feel like a a full artistic vision. And I think that like often like with uh, like the prequels is a great example, you know, the infamous story of uh, Hayden Christensen going to set, forgetting his wig and saying to George Lucas, Oh, I'll go put my wig on. He's like, nah, nah, we'll just put it on in post. And then he just gets in front of a green screen and fights you and McGregor. And then they put his hair in, in post. Like, uh, like that kind of shit is, it, it just, de- I feel like it devalues the art form of filmmaking <laughs> when, when you don't have to pay attention to detail because you can cheat later. Yeah. But the cheating doesn't look as good to me. Like, I can see those things and it bothers me. And I feel they're like they're, pushing not, the limits of they're cheating. not aging very well. Yeah. You know, like, they don't. I, I just saw some clips of District 9 the other day, and that's one of my favorite sci fi movies. And this, I remember thinking the CG looked impeccable when I was younger and now I felt like it really stuck out like I was, it yeah, looked it like dates, it was it itself pretty yeah quickly. it was like on top of everything else you know but then the practical effects from the thing look terrifying look incredible today. yeah totally like models age really well which is interesting because models like don't necessarily look as good when you first see them you know like do you, I remember the, being a kid yeah. and thinking that the like it's somehow it's the fact that they're really there and the yeah. fact that you know that the that work went into it or something that that gives them some sort of value it's the tangible aspect where your mind is a little more scared because that's a real thing and like even if something is gross and fake but it's near you and real you're gonna get away from it but if it's like you knew it was digital and like painted in later you're not scared of it. Right. It makes such a big difference in the acting. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Like, if I blew a wad of fake snot at you right now, you'd be like... <laughs> I'd recoil. You'd be I like, promise. I know this is fake, but I am really <laughs> upset that about it. gross. But if I was like, <laughs> and I was like, later on, there'll be snot. <laughs> you're not... <laughs> it's hard to react. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that all matters. I, I agree. That all really makes a big difference. I fucking agree. I, I mean, care. yeah, like the yeah. the girl. How in- many people spend hours making the CGI look amazing? It's not real snot on somebody. I I've heard that one of the actresses in Alien actually, like, did she like pass out or did she just like get really upset because she didn't know the chestburster thing was going to happen and like she was screaming for real, like she had a real yeah visceral moment of terror yeah, that they captured I think on they film, didn't tell which is really it's fucked that. up, but like I mean, it, take what you will from that, but it's there and it exists. And we'll see about this new Alien Covenant movie. If anyone is scared of the actual CGI bullshit monsters yeah. or what happens, I'll go see it. I'm excited. Are you I, excited for Blade Runner? Did you see the new trailer? I didn't see the trailer, but I I will go see I, that. So the trailer was a lot of CG and part of that's what, I, what movies are now. I know, but I just but want them to, like when they're, when they're mm. continuing a story of something that didn't have CG, like there's your excuse to not use it. Like the visual effects from Blade Runner are, it's gotta be have so aged much more almost better than Is it anything. not more expensive? I don't understand. Yeah, but really, is it really more Scott expensive to do it. CGI or practical effects? I really don't know. Do you got to build a thing? I it's think CGI has really gotten expensive. a lot cheaper. So I think like, 
doing maybe doing a lot with CGI the is credits to those movies. So there's many so many people, and it's like how yeah. did they? But all they spend probably work for like 15 bucks an hour. You know, they all spend 10 minutes on it. I maybe. think it's weird. I don't know. That's a that's a really good question. They all spend 10 minutes on one finger. Like breaking into a world like that, uh, you like you start out making very very little, and you there's a potential to make a hell of a lot, but there's no guarantee of that. Uh, and I think that a lot of these people, when you see these like hundreds yeah. of games in movies, are in that boat. Yeah, I these were. Yeah, the special effects in the thing were. It's like where one guy who was twenty three, right, and he probably had like a dozen people helping him. Yeah, and he was like, "I'm gonna make." And he was just a fucking genius. Yeah, yeah. I had to work really hard because I'm one of twelve people that can do this kind of work or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like. The amount of like technical skill involved in that, I think you have to just ha- be born with a flair for it, you know, like for working with things to make something else that yeah. looks interesting. I think Late I think that's like go. a yeah, I think that's like an innate skill that I think you can learn it. Yeah, I'm sure but you can, but I feel like music at it, music's an innate skill. I think like in music school, a lot of people have an innate ability, and a Even lot of people innate. don't, and you yeah. can kind of see that for some people it's easier to get good grades than for others because it all just comes naturally to them like it makes yes. sense to them uh and other people have to study really hard and it doesn't make sense because there's no like pathway in the brain that connects those dots you know and it's not like a good or a bad thing it's just like people are different and some things are easier for some people than others uh but then you know some people like for me work, I, some i'm really work around those like, like i'm know. really good at music music makes sense to me but yeah. i'm like terrible at sports you know I, I was like Me always too. picked last in school. So I always had this Me weird too. balance growing up where I was really good at, at music and really good in band, but really bad at sports. So I would like have a big head in the band and then a very small head <laughs> in the rest of like school, sports. which kind of helped me balance out when I got a little bit older, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was usually not good at most things except being a goofus. Um, and then you, 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 you so pursue that, that professionally now. You're a professional no, goofus. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, no, I'm not a professional guy. I'm a amateur goofus and a professional guy who stands in a place and takes money for things. Well, I feel like for a lot of us that, that you and I know who do a lot of really cool creative things that make Real artists very, have day jobs. That, that someone's book. that make like very little money, and we all have day jobs. Why? Well, at least I did until recently. Yeah. Um, that I feel like calling yourself a professional in that situation is actually kind of fair, you know? Because like, there's no like career path to being an artist. Like, there's no there's no way you can like start at a company and get to the like and get promoted. And then eventually you're a rock star, you know, like no. that doesn't happen. You, you just, just have, have to, to like to make stuff. go play a million shows and like maybe make some money for it. But and like, like build, you have to build things. up like uh, like some street cred in wherever you're playing so you can get booked <laughs> places, you know, like that to me feels like a career. Like that's like, creatively. Yeah. I feel like I have a career like podcasting and and all of this, even though I make, I make very little money at it. But like sometimes people download my songs I have a Patreon account. I make $17 a month, which is really exciting for me. That's nice. Yeah. And it's like, like nowhere near enough to live off of, but I've been doing some mixing and mastering work now that I haven't been able to go back to my regular job. And that's been really exciting. So I feel like I can, I feel like very good about calling myself like a professional audio engineer, even though I just do freelance work. I feel, I feel justified in that, you know, I think so. 
I'm a professional comedian. I've been paid for Fuck it. Fuck yeah, you are, bro. Occasions. That's, that's um, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not being paid for it now, today. Because you're kind enough to come on my show for, for weed and whiskey. And I haven't I, been paid for it recently <laughs> or any time in the near future. <laughs> yeah. But Miles loves me, don't you, Miles? And you haven't yeah. nipped at me at all today. And yeah, you like put on this cool role-playing show. Zero recently. Quest. Zero Quest. That you did I, two of. I did. And oh, and the new Flight Space 7 is out. I forgot to mention that on the show. Yeah, new Flight Space 7. Well, it's Radio LARP is the name of our podcast. So that's what you search for on um, iTunes or the internet, RadioLARP.com. Uh, but we have several storylines. It's very confusing. We do different storylines. Uh, our most popular one is Flight Space 7, where it's our, it's our sci-fi. Uh, yeah, it's our sci-fi comedy. Uh, we did it as a live show for a while before we realized that we were not very good at memorizing lines. <laughs> we're not very good theater people, so we're just going to read scripts. And then fix it in post, essentially, with sound effects. And we do sound effects live and stuff like that. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, I like it. Yeah. And the new the new episode just came out, and I really dug it. The new episode dropped after a year hiatus. Right. We've been on a hiatus for a while. And so look for future episodes whenever I finish a script or we do something. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. And then we're doing a trial of Terminator Genesis. We're recording in a couple of weeks. Sci-fi on trial for sci-fi on trial. I'm so excited. I, yeah. I we took a little break, and I'm very excited to get back to it. I missed that show. It's, it's been, fun. It's been a few months. Man, we covered a lot of John Carpenter ground. I feel like we barely scratched the surface, but I at least feel like I got to say how much I like Starman and They Live. <laughs> I feel like we said a lot of the stuff that's to be said about John Carpenter. I could, I, I, I could do some more research about him he he does do his own music and plays his oh, own yeah, music totally the music um, from the he writes a lot of the music in his movies most yeah. of the mu- the movies that he writes the stories because he doesn't always do that yeah uh, he writes the music for as well it seems and he had a band with uh, a couple other movie makers that also did music and they were called the coupe de villes <laughs> and uh they sang the song um the song from Big Trouble in Little China called Oh cool. Big Trouble in Little China. That's adorable. Yeah, he wrote the music for Ghosts Big of Mars. And it's, trouble <laughs> in Little China. Uh Ghosts of Mars has a rock and roll soundtrack and Big he assembled Big Trouble. <laughs> I do not remember this song. In Little China. He assembled like a bunch of famous guitar players. Yeah. Like rock and roll guitar players. Oh. So there's like rock and roll music while they're fighting these weird like Martian zombie ghost I can't, people. I can't see Ghosts of Mars like it's weird. yesterday. Yeah. I gotta see that. I can't believe that that's another escape movie that they just changed. Yeah, isn't that wild? I don't no, know I if I... That happens a lot. Yeah, actually. I enjoyed Ghosts of Mars. I don't recommend it as a movie, but I enjoyed it a lot. So take from that what you will. Do you know that the... Um, the third uh, Mad Max movie wasn't even supposed to be a Mad Max movie. Really? Yeah, it was just supposed to be a, a, a couple of other different movies, and they're like, hey, guy that makes Mad Max, you're making a post-apocalyptic movie. Why don't you just make it another Mad Max movie? He's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Interesting. We should yeah. do Frank Miller sometime. Frank Miller. So who's who's next on the director series? I yeah. think the Wachowskis is a great idea. Or Frank, yeah, that or Frank Miller. Yeah. Well, Wachowskis. we'll see. We'll see. Actually, you know what? Tweet at us. Let but, us know. Um, yeah. 
Put it to a vote. Yeah. Chowskis or Frank Miller or s- someone else. Spielberg. That's so many. That's a scary too one. Spiel- too many but movies. it's like John Carpenter. We don't have to do every movie, you know? We can just have a general chat about it. Do a general chat. Uh, uh, John Frankenheimer. You know who know. I'm curious about is uh, Dennis Villeneuve, I think is his name. He directed Arrival. He's doing Blade Runner 2049. Interesting. Or whatever it's called. But I don't know if he's done anything Ridley else. Ridley Scorch. Ridley Scorch. Or, uh, you know, Terry Gilliam, something. Terry Gilliam would be fun. Yeah, that's a... I'm really feeling the Wachowskis right now. Because I've been wanting to watch Cloud Atlas and Speed Racer for a while. I do like them because they make uh, really wild movies. Yeah. And I'd love to revisit The Matrix. It's been a while. So good. And it gets so dumb. But they really do just do whatever they want. Yeah. I And somehow people are like, that's not great, but do yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the second fantastic. one was actually pretty cool. Like, Have you seen... Uh, I liked the second one. I hated the third one, though. I thought it was terrible. No, what was the one with... Um, it's not Cloud Atlas. It's... Uh, oh, Jupiter Ascending? Yeah. We got to do the Wachowskis. I haven't seen that, but I've been dying to see it. It looks terrible, and I really want to see it. I have people that say it's terrible and I also have friends that say they oh, really? really like it. That's very exciting for me. Yeah. I want to watch... Let's watch that right now. No, I'm kidding. I I'm really, I'm tired. It's very late, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so excited. The director series is now officially a series because there's two of them. Yeah, that's fun. And I'm gonna watch the rest of John Carpenter's movies. I have to watch Ghost of Mars right now. Yeah. I haven't seen The Fog. I haven't seen that. Either. I want to watch. I want to watch the rest of them too. All right. I I feel like John Carpenter movies are now like something I want to be a fan of. Like I want to delve into the fandom of it a little bit. Yeah. And learn more about it. Like, I think all someone the movies... does a stage version of The Fog right now. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, on, that's I, cool. Of John Carpenter's The Fog. Yeah. Like They Live and Starman were both like uh, two of the best movie watching experiences I've had in a long time. Nice. Where I feel like those movies will be a part of my fandom going forward in a big way, you know? Yeah. Like my own personal sci-fi fandom. Like I want that someone had they live buttons. A- Amy, who's been on this show, had they live buttons yeah. that were on her Facebook post from today. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. I want those. Right. Uh, like, like obey. I didn't and, know, you know about it until. And I finally understand yeah. the obey thing, which is yeah. exciting. It's like I already kind of knew about it. I knew about it, but I had never seen the movie. I did like yeah. the movie. The fact that there's all this street art that says Obey uh-huh. actually really enhanced the movie for me because it was like understanding this thing that I didn't understand. And that's actually a plot point in the movies. Like suddenly you see this layer of reality that you've never been able to see before. Yeah. And I, I adored that. I thought that was so cool. It's and fun. Roddy Piper is just like such a meathead. Yeah, and he's a total meathead. It's, one of, it's like maybe my favorite meathead from a movie. I, do like I, I really liked head. it. Yeah. Like he's a, he's so lovable. And he had like these, this line about like, I like to walk. I don't like to walk with a man until I see where he's going. When he was walking behind right. the other guy, yeah. I thought he had all these like crazy one liners that told you a lot about his character. They yeah, were so were good silly. West, it's Western. Yeah. yeah to, maybe like that a, is like the Western influence. He's a stranger yeah. that rolls into town and you only know this much about him and he only trusts everyone as far as they can throw him. Totally. But instead I of a Western yeah, you're like right. saloon, it's a shanty town. <laughs> it's like working in a construction site. Yeah. 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 But instead I, of I uh, feel bad like I guys, could do, it's aliens. I feel like I could do like a podcast about each of these movies by themselves, you know? Uh, especially Starman and They Live. I, I hope to do that someday. Well, There's a lot to cover on this fucking yeah, podcast. We can 
let's watch more of them and then do another John Carpenter podcast for sure. And maybe maybe Wachowski's before then because I'm impatient. And oh, that's fine. Uh, James Cameron would be really good too. Yeah, there's just so many. This is a fun. This is a fun thing to do. The directors, the director series. I dig it. I like it a lot. This was a good idea. Thank you. Yeah, that wasn't my idea. Was I think it was your idea. Oh no, are they? I yelled and. Are people knocking on the ceiling? Yeah. Well, let's let's call it a night. Uh, this was awesome. All this right. was a lot of talking. It was good. I'm ready for for sleeping now. It's late now. Yeah. I don't. I shouldn't shout anymore because your neighbors will get mad. <laughs> yeah, I have that effect on my neighbors sometimes. I. It's not that late. How? What time is it? Um. It's twelve thirty. Oh, fair enough. It's pretty late. Oh, I gotta. Yeah. I gotta let's wrap go. this up. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ryan. Right. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Ryan and I talked quite a bit more on the night we recorded this podcast. We talked about the Warriors. We talked about 90s devil movies and a whole bunch of other shit that I felt like didn't belong in this episode since this was already getting to be on the long side. But luckily, I have a whole premium podcast I can use that shit for. So I cut it out. I'm putting together a premium episode with that material that'll be out sometime in the very near future. If you'd like to learn more about me and the rest of the Sci-Fi Project, my other podcast, my Sci-Fi synth-pop album, you can find all of that information at jessemercury.com. Next week, Johnny Unicorn and Naomi Adele-Smith will be here to talk about the Terminator franchise. We're talking about the first four Terminator films in preparation for the next Sci-Fi on Trial on Terminator Genesis. If you want to be featured in the trial of Terminator Genesis, if you have something to say about that film, Record a little voice memo and email it to me at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. I would love to include you. I love that kind of shit. All right, my friends, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Can't wait to see you next time. Until then, stay nerdy out there. Stay nerdy out there.